Happy Victoria Day and welcome to the Canadian Premier League Newsroom presented by Volkswagen. My name is Christian Jack and it is arguably the most important week, I think, on the field in the history of the Canadian Premier League. That's right. In a couple of days time, we will have not one, but two semifinals between MLS and CPL teams as they clash to make a Canadian Championship final coming up on June the 7th. It's Canadian Championship week and we will preview that very shortly. First, though, week six is in the books in the Canadian Premier League, which saw two close games that ended in draws and two games with two overwhelming victories. The results this past weekend were Forge nil, Vancouver nil. That happened on Friday night at Tim Hortons Field, the first nil-nil ever in the league at Tim Hortons Field since the CPL began in 2019. On Saturday, Halifax Wanderers nil, York United three goals from Baldissimo, Alou, and Samaro. Uh, doubleheader continued on Saturday in Winnipeg as Vala and Pacific shared the spoils. Pacific Nyongabere got the goal for Vala after Sean Young's season continued very well with, the, with a goal from the visitors. And on Sunday, a much-needed victory, a first victory for Cavalry as they beat Atletico Ottawa 2-0. And it could have been more quite handedly with goals from Sergio Camargo and Dan Klump. That is where we start the show this week in Calgary, Alberta, where the pressure certainly was on Tommy Wilden Jr.'s side to win a game, having played five games already this season, led in all five, and ended up drawing all five. That's right. They'd already given away 10 points from winning positions. So it could have gone either way here. If they'd lost, the pressure would have mounted. But in the end, they more than made up for that with a comprehensive performance. Let's bring in our own Mitchell Tierney, who was our correspondent on this one. Mitch, happy holiday to you. Thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, let's get into this overall with all the stories thrown in and what you saw of it. What number out of 10 would you give this contest in terms of its compelling factor and why? What did you like? Yeah, I'll go with an 8 out of 10. I, I think the storyline surrounding this match, even before kickoff, made it so intriguing just because, you know, these were two sides that really didn't expect to be uh, at the bottom end of the table to, to start the season, you know, this far in, um, and certainly didn't expect to have just one win between them heading into this match. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an important match for both of these sides. And I think Cavalry, you know, seeing as they were the one who hadn't won yet, they needed this even more than Ottawa potentially. And you saw that through their performance over 90 minutes, you know, everything that got thrown their way, they adapted, they overcame uh, in the way that Tommy Wielden Jr. always loves to describe his side. And uh, in the end, like you said, a pretty comprehensive performance where they get two goals. If you're watching on the YouTube stream right now, they had another one um, somewhat controversially disallowed that they felt like they should have had more, but um, yeah, Ottawa were never reasonably close to, to breaking the, you know, their duck. Yeah, that's an interesting story coming out of this because they were comprehensively better. First half, up 1-0. Goal from a set piece, by the way, that Camargo actually got it. And then they actually get a goal from open play that was ruled off offside for Maya Bevan interfering with Sean Melvin. I think the correct call, personally. Uh, and it could have gone either way at that point. No, Mitch? I mean, at that point, you start thinking, if you're Calvary, hold on. We've had five leads already this season. We've relinquished all of them. Now we've gone up 2-0. Hold on. It's a whistle blown. Uh, and I, at that point, certainly looked to see what kind of response we would get from them. Uh, and it was almost like the door just narrowly opening for Atletico Ottawa to squeeze their fingers in and br bridge it open. But they never even got close to that door. It was just slammed shut by a very good home team. 
yeah, I think this is in some ways a narrative changing win uh, for Cavalry FC because, you know, they go from winless Cavalry FC to, to undefeated Cavalry FC. Correct. I think they started to describe themselves like that. And I think it's a story change both externally and internally where, you know, they know what we've been talking about. Uh, you know, we as the, the broader media, but also us on this show uh, in terms of, you know, them being winless so far this season and that being a, a surprise. And now there's that belief that, you know, they can close out matches i think a very important sequence as well was towards the end of the first half given what happened last week uh, against uh, halifax and halifax scored twice in injury time you know it was cavalry on the front foot really pushing ottawa back still pinning them back instead of you know maybe being a, a little more nervous about con conceding a goal that obviously would have been a backbreaker at that point with how well they played in the first half so um from that standpoint a, a tremendous performance and you know one that uh, will give cavalry fans and, and them internally a lot of hope going forward yeah, you mentioned it. It's quickly, it's quite amazing how things can turn on one game. You know, we'll get that mm -hmm. more into later with York United, but in a league of real parity where points are shared a lot, when you can get those three, it's a, it's a major difference maker. Uh, you could see the smile on his face afterwards. Um, it was a real achievement. And Tommy Wilden Jr. has been there since the start. He knows when he talks about reference points and comparing it to what they've accomplished. And he certainly was full of positivity for his team after this one. I'm just proud of the players. We kept talking over and over about the good things they were doing. And I think we've had some unlucky goals, bobbles, bounces, circumstances. Um, and the power of belief, because I believe in this group. It's a talented group. And you've seen that today against a very tough Ottawa team there. They're coming off the back of a 5-0 away win, feeling confident. And I thought today that was one of the best performances we've had at Ackerfield. So that's the team we have. And we still have players to come back in, like Joe Mason, Shamit Shom, Callum Montgomery. We're only going to get stronger. So we said we want to protect this unbeaten run, but now start turning ties into wins. And we did exactly that. So um, it was good. It's nice to feel that because now the boys believe in us, believing in them. Yeah, belief being the word and interesting to say. I mean, they've got a phenomenal home record and Tommy puts that right near the top uh, of their performances. Um, before we get more from Mitchell on this one, um, a great start for the season and a great seat. great to see Sergio Camargo. Uh, of course, you know, one of the main originals around for a long time now with Calvary Football Club. Been hurt a lot, but when he's on the pitch, they are a difference maker. He certainly was a difference maker on this one. Scored a crucial goal and here's his thoughts after this. You hit it right on the head. I think... Um... We knew we've been working towards this game today. We've, we've had glimpses in, in the past games that we just haven't been able to put a full 90 minutes together, um, whether it be a, a lack of concentration defensively or not, not, no killer instinct in the final third. Today, we were able to score three. Uh, it should be three nothing there, at least, but um, it was just a complete game that we knew we were able to do. Uh, and it just, it's so special to do it in front of these guys, in front of this crowd. Mitchell, before we move on, quickly, before we go to Atletico Ottawa, you pointed it out, you're the attacking flow of the team, and again, the difference maker in set place. You know, when they needed them, they were efficient last season, certainly in the first half of the season, and again here, they were big. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the the man you just saw on your screen or heard, uh, Sergio Camargo, was was central to that because he made the sort of runs that just opened up space for everyone else. You know, sometimes he'd be past Meyer Bevan, and then all of a sudden Bevan can drop a little bit, and that's pulling defenders in. He'd be out wide combining with Moosey or on the other side combining with Escalante. So um, that was so important. And then, you know, in getting in those areas, all of a sudden they're able to to win some some free kicks in dangerous spots. And, uh, you know, against 
Ottawa sides against any side, really. There's so many good defensive teams in this league. We always say, you know, those set pieces are so important because the teams have to back off. They have to give you that space. And, um, you know, so being good and lethal in those moments is a difference maker over the course of the season. So it was good to see that uh, from a Calvary perspective again. Yeah, now we're not one for excuses here, but we have to lay out facts. Atletico Ottawa had played in midweek 10 days ago in Hamilton in the Canadian Championship. I'd got on, boarded on a bus uh, to get home right away. I think got home around four or five o'clock in the morning. Two days later, they flew to Vancouver. Then they flew back and then they had to fly earlier to Calgary because of the storm, because of the fires. Not sure when they were going to play there to get there. So it's been a grueling time for them. Um, I don't think Carlos Gonzalez wanted to talk about that after the game. He was also talking about what was on the pitch, but not an ideal circumstances for this team heading into this one. Here's Carlos Gonzalez's thoughts after this. Another loss for Atletico Ottawa. Well, mainly because to win one more reference in attack, uh, because he was going to play more central in the in the attacking phase, and we had two, two strikers to have more numbers over there. And uh, defensively, because we think that Malcolm Shaw always give a good job in the in the wide side. Carlos Gonzalez talking about Malcolm Shaw's inclusion. They played Malcolm Shaw in the game from the start and Sam Salt, so they just couldn't get anything going. Uh, how disappointing was this? Their third loss in six. They didn't have their third loss until their 11th game last year. What went wrong? Uh, well, I do think that that's a key point there in terms of, you know, you don't want to pin the blame on one tactical decision, but they put in Malcolm Shaw and you're thinking, oh, they might play with two up top, but instead Shaw goes out wide um, in place of Gianni Dos Santos as a player who, you know, was was supposed to be that reference point on, on the left side of the pitch and instead ended up getting pinned back by uh, Moosey and aired, you know, very well uh, back there. So, um and that's what they need, you know, is those out balls. They become so important is those players up the pitch uh, who they can, when they win the ball back, quickly move them to. And a lot of the times, you know, Shaw was at the byline defending Ali Musi. Yeah. And so they get the ball back. They're like, oh, wait, where can we go with it? So that, that I think was probably the biggest issue in terms of Ottawa. Just anytime they won the ball, they weren't able to, you know, progress it or even keep it because so many of their players are pushed so far back down the pitch. So, that, that's a continuous concern for them. Set piece defending, another thing that just continues to be a, an issue for this club, not just defending, but giving them away in bad areas. You know, we talk about Farron and the Can Champ, Babouli against Yorks, you know, Salufs, Olympico, and then both the set pieces in this game. There's countless examples of them giving away bad set pieces and then also, um, you know, allowing uh, goals off them as well. Yeah, great point. And that was certainly on the mind of one of their veterans, a player who came in during the first half uh, for, for an injury. Here's Maxime Tiso. You know, from, from being on the field, I think, you know, we had trouble getting out when we won the ball um, because we were sitting deep at times. Um, you know, guys maybe weren't in the proper positions to uh, help us, you know, get the ball forward and, and, and try to you know, create something from there. So I, I feel like our, you know, first pass out was... A, a low percentage pass um, or a risk, yeah, a risky one, and it com com complicated things for us. I thought in the last 10 to 15 minutes we did a, a better job. Obviously, we're down two nil, so um, the team, the other team, is sitting back a little bit more. But uh, that's something we uh, um, we, we kind of had troubles with last year when once we were down, um, and it's something we'll have to work definitely. Yeah. 
working on that all week as they get set to welcome Forge for the first time since the Canadian Premier League final back in October. That will take place this weekend while Cavalry trip uh, make a trip also to Ontario. They take on York United next week. Mitch, we appreciate you. You'll be back on later to preview the Can Champs. We'll chat with you then. Thanks a lot, Mitchell. We'll chat with him later. Let's bring in Charlie O'Connor-Clark now to look at the other convincing victory of the weekend. Charlie, you were all over this for us at campiel.ca as York United absolutely dominated at the Wanderers' grounds again. Overall, with everything thrown in, what number would you give this out of 10 for its compelling factor and why? What did you like about this one? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with a seven here. It was it was a, a really fascinating game. I think there were so many storylines that came out of it in terms of the way both teams played. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a huge result for York, who were maybe having a bit of a downstretch. They'd obviously lost heavily at Pacific the weekend before, and they'd lost to the Whitecaps in a midweek. But uh, to, to come out flying, as they did in, in Halifax, is just so heartening for Martin Nash and his staff. That's something that... Nash spoke about several times during the week leading up to this game is that he wanted his team to start well, which they hadn't done really in any game so far this year. And I don't think you can ask for a much better start than he saw from his team here. They were they were direct. They were aggressive. Uh, they, they really made good use of a lot of these chances that they had early on. And just you can maybe see in, in the body language of a lot of players on the pitch how how much it means for them to to finally have a bit of a, an offensive outburst after maybe struggling to put the ball on the net earlier yeah this was by far and away their most impressive performance of 2023 without mm-hmm. question uh for a lot of reasons but you alluded to it what i liked about it too was that martin nash who i think is a pretty laid-back character i think he's okay with us calling him that um but he like you said he had some pointed words publicly yeah. uh for what he wanted to see from his team so you know if, we, if he's doing that publicly i wonder what he's doing privately you know and his players respond if anybody's worried and wondering about whether the players are responding to him i think that was a pretty clear indication no um mm-hmm. and so every credit uh i know it's a long way for york fans to chant to, to go and chant but if they were there they might be saying to halifax can we play you every week uh <laughs> because they like going there charlie um in terms of individual performances from york there were a lot of stood out uh who did you like yeah, well, there were a few. Um, I think we have to start with Austin Ricci, obviously, who who was named our Player of the Week this or earlier today. Um, this is a game that was tailor made for a player like him, right? I think back to his time at Valor and early in that that bubble in Winnipeg, where he was just a dominant force in direct, wide open games, like just driving forward, bringing like bringing the ball into the attacking half. He'd hold it up, he'd he'd create chances, and he was the same in this game. He won so many duels. I think he had four successful dribbles in the first like 15 20 minutes of this game which is insane um and he's he's just one of those players that when he is in a game that suits him he's just unstoppable and he's fascinating to watch but you know all, all over this performances for york that were great i mean uh you know osama olu playing in the 10 uh with with babuli injured he was really occupying a space that uh that halifax kind of left empty for a lot of the game which we'll get to in a second um, he was great. I think a, a player that you know has maybe come to some criticism early in the year that maybe deserves a shout out here is Asazi de Rosario's hold up play in this game that was also very important. Uh, and then the pivot of, of Baldissimo and Sumaro in midfield was phenomenal, especially in the second half where York were, were maybe settling down a little bit more and, and just trying to force Halifax to play around the perimeter and take really, really low percentage shots. Yeah, lots of individual performances, but in the end, it was the collective that won out. And that, of course, led to a delighted Martin Nash. We challenged each other, to be fair, as a group. Uh, 
that we needed that kind of energy and effort for 90 minutes. And um, it was great to see, you know, the players brought everything they could to the game. And we had a number of chances first half, and it was it was great to get two. And um, but I, I thought the energy that we put in when we were pressing, closing them down, getting their heads down, being able to turn the ball over was uh, was the big key tonight. The other side, and by the way, if you're watching live, please put your comments in. Mitchell will get to yours in a second. You've got good questions about Halifax, but leave your questions in the chat. Um, as for the other side, Halifax Wanderers came into it unbeaten, and they come out of it winless. Um, uh, with more on that, and uh, by the way, it's a pretty honest answer here, but a very dejected Patrice Geyser after a 3-0 loss at home. There's always positive. Listen, I don't want to be a cliche, but even when you get beat that bad, you learn and you just say, hey, take that feeling. Keep it inside, never let it come back again. So for me, that's the biggest takeaway. You know, we, um, I don't want to use very strong words, but I mean, that's all, I'm ashamed for being able to put up that display in front of our home fans. But, you know, you look at it, we created some chances with good ball movement, running between lines, running at them and just being hungry. You know, uh, we're so close, but so far, because we didn't get a goal and they got three. Hear from Patrice there using the word ashamed. What did you make of Halifax here? Lots of praise for the way that they play, uh, but that's no wins in six now. What's gone wrong? Yeah, well, what went wrong specifically in this game is perhaps that Lorenzo Caligari got four yellow cards in four straight games. Um, I, I don't yeah. think, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think, and Patrice Geyser said this as well, he knew that they'd miss Caligari in this game. He didn't know that they'd miss him that much. Um, and you look at the two York goals in the first half and there is a chasm of space in between Halifax's back four and their midfield because, you know, the, the players they had in their Mo Omar under Rampersad uh, and it was, it was Aiden Daniels or Massimo Theron in that spot for a lot of the first half. They would all go forward with the ball and nobody would be left occupying that space. So if York won the ball as they did, uh, there's just so much room for for Alou and for, for Ricci to run into. Um, there just wasn't that that link and I think this is maybe a game where, as Christian, I think you guys spoke about this on the broadcast as well, but it's a game where maybe Patrice Geyser uh, was thinking more long-term than short-term. Obviously, a big priority for Halifax this year is getting Rampersad higher up the pitch, playing as more of an eight than a six this year, um, and, and getting him more involved in the attack. And I think he it would have been maybe easier and the obvious thing to do to just put him back into that six as he's played yeah. before for this team, where Caligari would have been. Um, he chose to keep him in that, that other, that higher role up the pitch, just to, because it's important to him to make sure that the rest of the team is, is comfortable with Rampersad in that specific role. And it just, it didn't work out. It really didn't work for them at all. Um, you know, the, the connection just wasn't there between the lines, between the, the defense and the midfield, even when they did get up the pitch as well, especially in the second half, when York was sitting back a little bit more, they couldn't find a way in. You know, Halifax had two shots on target in this game and they were both from outside the box. Uh, which is just not indicative of, of being able to find high quality chances. So I think there was, you know, a lot to to learn from this game for Halifax. But I do think that it's one where maybe you kind of burn the tapes a little bit because it was a, a bit disastrous in the first half. Yeah, no doubt. It doesn't get any easier, by the way. Uh, back to back trips mm -hmm. to Pacific and Atletico Ottawa to come uh, for Patrice Geysers. Maybe that maybe see maybe that'll help. Um, and then Cavalry 
sorry, Ottawa, Valor and Cavalry at home after that. Mitchell in the chat asks, what does Halifax have to do to win? And do you see them in a home playoff game at the end of the season? A reminder that it has to be a top four finish. Um, I think even the most positive Halifax Wanderers fan um, or player or by the way patrice guys is probably at the top of that list because he is mr positive i think when he comes to this yeah. i think it's fair to say charlie uh, and tell me if you disagree that they don't believe maybe they didn't they, that's I'll, I'll change that i think thinking they're going to finish in the top four is beyond any of their aspirations right now they want to get in the playoffs and i think they're good enough to make the playoffs uh but to get a home playoff game that is top four that's going to be a challenge i think we've seen that here it has to be said that the way they want to play is the hardest thing to do in football, right? Yeah. It's easy if you want to try and figure a way out, banks of four, play on the counter-attack, defensively be organized, let's not concede, let's get some points. But they're playing the long game here. And where they've come from, where it was very, very difficult to watch and the goals per game were the lowest in any club in the, in the CPL, and at times it was torturous, uh, they feel like this is their, 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 their step of progression. But it is a giant step. And along that way, they're going to get moments like this. I think I said it the first game when they won in Ottawa on the broadcast. When they play this way, occasionally they're going to get annihilated. And they got mm -hmm. that on Saturday. And it's hard. It's hard for the Wanderers fans. They're brilliant. They're the best in the, in the league. And they go home disappointed. But I just hope that they understand football and that they can still see keys that they can turn this around. But it's going to take some time. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. This is a project, and it, it you know, I, I think that this been there's been no secret about that from day one in Halifax this year. It's a project that will take time, especially with how many new players there are to this squad, all learning a completely new system under a, a coach who's you know in in his first role as a professional head coach as well. Yeah. We 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 have to remember um there are tons of positives those building blocks are there it will take a lot of time i think um and and maybe well you can't really talk about your goal being top four right now i think the goal is to win a game first right um but i th i think that if i'm a, if i'm a halifax fan i think i am okay with this at least you know being a a longer term project knowing where this team started where it was last year and even the year before and and where this kind of football can take them, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that if it if you do get that buy in, obviously even as a player, it's hard to to buy into it if you are getting getting beaten like that. But I think it it will come, and once they do rattle off a, a win or two, use it playing the same kind of football, that belief will be stronger, and and, and it'll just kind of snowball from there. Yeah, I, I don't expect them to make changes uh, too many things. I don't think they're going to panic. Uh, no. I will say they love that back three in possession. That's why Campania plays there. It's not a rampaging fullback. I wonder whether that's the future. I wonder whether it's a back three is the future. Um, and maybe you can play Caligari and Rampasad uh, almost as double pivots. And then you can maybe get a bit more pace. You know, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's with Lonzo or Mwamba or somebody who can play a little bit behind the, you know, just stretch the field a little bit. Um, but hey, so I think it's, there's lots of questions there. But in the end, we have to sit, we have to finish a great day for York. No doubt about it. A great yeah. day and two wins already pushes them above Halifax to get to six points. And lots of lots of players will be in the team of the week. And as you said, congratulations to Austin Ricci, the player of the week. Two ACL injuries, not one, but two. Uh, the work he did behind the scenes uh, when no one was watching. Now he finally gets his reward. Charlie, we appreciate you. We'll have you back on the show in a while. Thanks for that. As we get set to, uh, to preview the Canadian Championship semifinals, we'll be doing that within the next 10 or 15 minutes. A reminder that CPL Predictor is back, brought to you by our 
friends at TonyBet, campiel.ca slash predictor, where you choose the correct scores each week in the Canadian Premier League to win up to $20,000. Tickets to games, it's all there on the site. Next, we move on to Winnipeg, Manitoba, where Valor welcomed a Pacific team uh, that made eight changes, leaving behind many of their stars ahead of the Canadian champions uh, the Canadian Championship this week. Injury-ravaged Valor had no such luxury. Uh, Benedict Rhodes, thankfully, he avoided the Winnipeg injury curse to join us. Uh, overall, Benny, what number out of 10 would you give this contest in terms of its compelling factor and why? What did you like about this one? I'll give it a 7.5. I think you know, it's a game. You mentioned the eight changes for Pacific. I think that in itself was, was quite compelling to see how the players coming into the squad uh, were, were going to do. And I think they, as we're going to talk about, I think they, they they played very well. They 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 didn't you know allow wholesale changes to you know affect the way they played, which I think something James Merriman especially was was quite complimentary of. And then for Valor, you know, a, a makeshift backline, as you mentioned, you know, Jordan Hames and and Abdu Samake both getting injured. Uh, I think I think that was a a big storyline in this game and uh but Valor still were able to be resilient and able to hold their own against a, a very difficult team to play against in Pacific. Yeah, this was a this is a really good game. Did this for one soccer and it was the the biggest storyline came at the start with the lineups. Uh and suddenly you look at it for those who didn't know, no Amir Didic, no Thomas Miyajigir, no Manny Aparicio, no Josh Hurd, no East Eastern Angaro's on the bench. Um, you know, there's a few a few players there that, that, that they left out and has made eight changes. But in the end, it looked like they were going to get a victory through Sean Young's goal. Uh, but the man himself, again, Pacific Nyungabere, who's been one of the big stars so far of the Canadian Premier League, one of the key signings as an overseas talent who came from the A-League, the Brundi International, uh, was able to get that goal his first since he's been in the CPL. And before we get to talk more about Valor, let's hear from him himself after he got the key equaliser at IG Field. We've played a few games now and, you know, it's just a, it's a goal I really needed, confidence and obviously just to boost the team, you know, we're a bit, the team was, we're, we're, the team was like, we're getting really hammered and he was really a, a booster, he lifted the team, everybody's spirits and yeah, it's, it's a goal I really needed. For him, it's a good character as well. It's been tough though for Valor, Benedict. No question about it. You mentioned it. Andrew Jean Baptiste is there, their linchpin at the back. He hasn't played a minute yet. Chandler's now done for the season, and Pinelli got hurt. Rafa Ohin is hurt. Abdu Samaki, a terrific player who was going to play against his former club, got hurt in the warm up. Then Jordan Haynes played instead of him coming off the bench, just recently coming back and injured for himself. He lasted 20 minutes and did his hamstring. So they've got hardly any fit defenders. Uh, yet they continue to find a way. If any team um, had the right to complain and really say we're struggling right now, it would be them. But every time we talk about this team, we talk about the word resilience. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the only healthy center back there at the moment, I believe, is Clyde Chella, who just signed a couple of weeks into the season. So, you know, they, they've had a lot of changes at the back. They've they've been been very hit by injuries and and a lot of players playing out of position. You know, Matteo Debrien still playing at left back six weeks into the season. Um, you know they've they've haven't had a, a consistent backline. They haven't had, you know, consistent midfield. Dante Campbell missing from this game through suspension as well. Um, it, it's 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 impressive. I think that Phil DeSantos or in this case Daryl Fortes and Jay Bindi, um, they they been able to sort of rally the troops, I guess, and tell these guys like, you know, you guys are going through adversity, but like play through that. And then when all these guys do come back, you know, you're going to be you know a heck of a team when you can add the quality to a team that is already playing you know quite well given the circumstances that they're in. 
Yeah, and quickly before we hear some reaction, you did get the chance to speak to Philip De Santos recently. No, it doesn't appear that there's any seriousness to too many more. It feels like some of these are coming back soon. Yeah, and there's no updates on, on Samaki or Haynes yet, but before the game, Phil DeSanto said that uh, by next week when they go to Vancouver, they're expecting to have you know, Andrew Jean-Baptiste and Raph Oheen on the bubble of maybe coming back for that game or or at least maybe the game after that. That's terrific news, certainly. Favala, you mentioned it. Philip DeSantos uh, was away this weekend on pro coaching duties uh, and in his absence, uh, Jay Bindi and Daryl Fordyce took the reins. Here is the Irishman, not Northern Irishman, Daryl Fordyce. You know, the, the medical team say he's not good to go. Um, you make it the season, Jordan Haynes, who's a left-back, straight in the centre-back, just coming back from injury. And then Jordan goes down, and then we put a right-back in the centre-back and we bring a scanner on. You know, so obviously it's, 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 we're, we're struggling a little back, at the back with, uh, with bodies and, and that. But as I say, you know, the boys don't feel sorry for themselves. They get up, they go again, and they continue to go until that referee blows the whistle. And, and that's, you know, very, very proud of that. It's a them. Great credit also to Pacific. James Merriman made eight changes coming in. This one, you could argue, and I know Valor have had a lot of issues, but you could argue that they probably should have won this. Um, you know, questions on, on maybe Nia Gambero's goal. Was it, was it offside? Was it not? They certainly should have had a penalty uh, in the second half with handball on Matteo de Brienne. In the end, they get a point. What impressed you about this team and who impressed you from them? Yeah, Sean Young impressed me. I think, you know, we've been talking all season about him. He's becoming, you know, one of the more dominant, I think, midfielders on, on both sides of the ball in the entire CPL at the moment. You know, he's he's added a, an attacking element to his game that he maybe didn't always have last season. He's playing higher up the pitch, like you've been you've been saying all season, and arriving into the box and 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 getting the opportunities to score goals. And I know you compared him, you know, Great Priest to Jonathan Osorio on the broadcast where he's, He's able to make these runs in the box. He has a bit of a, an ability to finish when he gets opportunities. And uh, yeah, he, he sort of ran the show on a team where you know there's there's eight changes. And and he was one of the two alongside Cedric Toussaint as well, who's excellent in this game, uh, playing alongside him in midfield. So uh, I think I think that was the difference in this game. I think it was was Pacific in midfield. They were they were kind of uh, overrunning, I guess, the the Valor midfield, and uh, they couldn't find the second goal, and they couldn't hang on to that one goal advantage, but. For a team with you know so many new players in the squad, I think I think it's a it's a result that they'll be happy with. Yeah, you mentioned it, Cedric Toussaint. Uh, every week we try and get him in the team of the week, and every week he just misses out. <laughs> it's just I guess that's what happens when you're defensive midfielder who doesn't score goals. Uh, but he's been marvelous for them. I'm really excited to see him play midweek against Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, but Sean Young, the skipper, the island boy from Victoria, uh, continues to stand out for the young 22 year old Canadian. Here's James Merriman, his gaffer on Sean Young. He's playing with confidence. Um, he's he's found his form early in the season, which is which is great for him because now he's adding detail to his game. He, he scores a great goal today. He's wearing the captain band um, because this is the the respect that the group has for him. He's 22 years old, um, so I think what we're seeing off the ball, on the ball, um, he's playing his best football right now. Yeah, first game for him as well. Spoke to him after the game, full of praise for him and also delighted for him to get that captain's armband, a really special moment for Sean Young 
and his family. Both teams head out west now. Pacific already home. We'll get to that in a second. Why? Valor, as you mentioned, Benny, they go to Vancouver next week. Hopefully uh, with some more repaired bodies ready for this one. Benny, we always appreciate you. Thanks for your time. And we'll chat with you next week. We continue here on the newsroom presented by Volkswagen for the final game of four and head back to Friday night's clash at Tim Hortons Field, where I was certainly taking on this match pretty well, thinking, as most people thought, that it would be probably a comprehensive victory for Forge. Remember, Forge came into this on the back of a good victory the week before. Vancouver had struggled. In fact, they'd be absolutely annihilated at home by five goals to nil in the week prior to that. And it looked like very early with Wubens Passius and a number of opportunities from different players that Forge should definitely take goals here. Great chance by Noah Jensen in the first half and Wubens Passius. But in the end, they couldn't put it away. Vancouver were very good defensively. Crawford and Quack, particularly out wide in the fullbacks, defended very narrow as a back four. Pelly Martinez and Ibrahim Bakri were very concentrated, were concentrated the entire time. But as the game went on, they got deeper and deeper, and it appeared to be the inevitable would come. Jordan Hamilton looked like he was going to be the man who get the goal. In the end, I think he had an XG of about 1.5 on his own, but he wasn't able to score. As we mentioned off the top of the show, it would end scoreless. And that is the first time in the history of the Canadian Premier League that there's ever been a nil-nil at Tim Hortons Field in the CPL. That is a remarkable achievement for a team like Vancouver Football Club who are only six games old. In the end, when Jordan Hamilton blasted it over at injury time, it appeared the script was already written. It would end Forge of Hamilton nil, Vancouver FC nil. Great point for Vancouver, particularly after giving up five goals the week before. Uh, after the match, I had the pleasure, it's always a pleasure indeed, to chat to catch up with Vancouver FC boss, here's Afrin Gopi. Joined by Vancouver FC head coach Ashwin Gopi here at Tim Hortons Field for the post-game reaction brought to you by Allstate. Nil-nil, a great point for you. How do you feel? Uh, I'm really proud of the effort that our players uh, um, brought into this match, especially after what we've experienced in the last few days. It's been a very difficult week after such a, a devastating loss uh, and missing three very key players. I, I think we came here to defend well as a team and look for our moments uh, that we had our chances in the game, but we also gave away some chances that we were fortunate enough that they didn't score. That's a very fair assessment. What you probably don't know, coach, is that you're the first team in CPL history to come here and draw nil-nil. It's never been happened before, even since 2019. What does that say about how much you're already accomplishing in the short amount of time of your club? To be able to come to a place here where you expect teams to win, the home, the home fans, and you come away with a nil-nil draw. Well, I'd like to give the credit to my players because they, they had to really uh, work very hard in this game and stay disciplined in their defending structure. I think uh, when we defend well as a team, uh, we are a difficult team to beat at home or away. Uh, but as, as we've seen, when you have so many young players and players without the experience to bring consistency game in and game out and playing for 90 minutes plus with concentration is not so easy. A couple more for you, if you don't mind. You changed the system a little bit today, a little bit of two, two banks of four, one and one. Sandoval and Hundel did really well to run in the lines and getting the ball when they needed it. What did you like about the personnel within that shape today? Well, I think that puts Sandoval in the position that he's comfortable. He's closer to goal. He's got a cover of eight players behind him, so he can uh, maybe defensively take the breaks he needs to offensively give us the creativity that brings to the game. I think he had a, his best game of the season. And I, I think uh, the block of eight did a good job, especially in the first 30 minutes of the match. But it's a long trip. It's been a tough week. And we had players in the team that had not ever started for us. 
So uh, I'm really satisfied and it's a fantastic point. Last one for you. It is a fantastic point. Momentum and swings are everything in football. You mentioned it last week. You got beat hand handedly 5-0. How big is it to be able to stop that rut right away and get a point after it? Well, I'm a big believer that if you want to achieve something in a season, that you should never lose two games in a row. Uh, so one of the things that's really important is tactically make the adjustments necessary, which we did, and then bring a different kind of commitment and intensity as a group. And I think that's the, uh, when you lose 0-5, it's quite humiliating at home and, and humbling. And I think our players learned the lesson that this is not an easy league. You have to uh, come into every match with everything you got. Congratulations. It's a terrific point. Safe travels Thank back you. to Vancouver. Thank you so much. Good sir. to see you. Good to see you. He's a great man. He mentioned the two players there that started their first Vancouver game. That was, of course, Nicky Jima and Marcus Simmons. On the other side of things, a, frustrate, a frustrating night for Forge. I know they came into the game saying they did not want to have more than, I suppose, a slight side eye on Montreal coming in midweek, but it was seemingly had more than that. Um, some changes in the team, obviously some key players who didn't start the game. Tristan Borges didn't start the game, neither did Kyle Becker, amongst others. Tristan Henry was on the bench as well. Uh, they had over 70% possession at times in this game. Lots of chances, but in the end, no end products. That was certainly on the mind of their head coach, Bobby Sminiotis, after this one. We could have made a lot more of those motions, to be honest. So we got in there and, yeah, of course, finishing. If you look at some of the chances uh, that we've had with uh, Pasillas, with uh, with Jensen in the first half, uh, Jordan Hamilton's had two. There's a few in the end there. So, you know, the chances are there. So we just got to be clinical in there. But I think, you know, if we increased also the amount of times we were able to, to work certain patterns uh, that we do, um, you know, maybe, yeah, you're happy that you have uh, so much possession and 18 shots, but maybe you needed 30 today and five on the goal to get the goal. And sometimes that's how it goes. Sometimes you just need one, um, and and that's football. So you you move on from this one. You take uh, the good. You look at the the bad and uh, and the ugly, and you try and make sure that uh, the players are aware of it, so we can be better in the next one. Forge remain undefeated and are top of the table as we look at the standings in the CPL through six weeks. Three wins and three draws for Forge as they are top by a point, 12 points from six games. Pacific right behind them, uh, 11 points uh, from six games. Cavalry are third now on eight as Valor move up down to fourth on seven. York United on six with Vancouver Football Club and then Atletico Ottawa and Halifax Wanderers on seventh in seventh and eighth on five points apiece. Uh, next week in the CPL, week seven, and it starts in the nation's capital, Atletico Ottawa versus Forge at 2 p.m. The TD Place, a rematch of last season's final, Pacific versus Halifax on, at 7 p.m. local on Saturday. That'll be a good game out west as well. York against Cavalry, five o'clock Eastern on Sunday. And talking of five o'clock local on Sunday, the doubleheader concludes on Sunday, Vancouver Football Club against Valor.